All right, good morning. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to start. We've got lots of passages I'm going to have you turn to this morning, but Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to start. Um, does anybody need a Bible? We've got some extra Bibles. You, y'all want a Bible? Brother Kevin, can you get a couple of those Bibles? Um, Brother Green and Brother Fleming here, if you don't mind. Thank you. Luke chapter 10. Somebody tell me what we've been talking about here in this series. What in the Bible? Not allegories. Metaphors. Metaphors in the Bible. We've been talking about metaphors, and today uh, I'm going to skip review just so I can get right into this, but um, today we're going to talk about one that may not seem like it's necessarily a metaphor, um, but as we get into it, you'll, you'll see... Um, we're going to talk about being a disciple of Christ. Now, there's a whole sect, a whole religion called the Disciples of Christ. Um, but we are called to be disciples of Christ. And how is, how is that a metaphor? Do you remember what a metaphor is? What's the, I'll give you the definition because it's kind of involved. But the definition of a metaphor, re, listen to this, is a word or phrase applied to an object or action to which it is not literally applicable. So are we literally disciples of Christ on this earth? We can't be, right? Because that, that's my next question. What is a disciple? What is that? It's, it's a follower or a, it's the, the real definition is a learner or a pupil, not necessarily just a follower. So uh, if we are learners or, or students of Christ, we are his disciples. And so it is a metaphor because we can't actually follow Christ on this earth. So there were only how many disciples? It's a double trip question. 13, but there's lots. There's not, there were not only 12 or 13. Anybody that followed Christ while he was on this earth was called a disciple. And we see that in uh, John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So it wasn't just the 12, even though we tend to call the 12, the 12 disciples. Uh, they were actually the apostles, but uh, the Bible does refer to them as disciples. So that's where we get that from. But like I said, it was a trick question. John chapter 13, verse 35 also says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Which then, that means us. If we have love one to another, even we can be his disciples. But it was, it was anybody that followed Christ uh, was his disciple. Um, which leads to the next question. We're still in, in uh, introduction here, but um, how, well, it's not necessarily a question. How, uh, rhetorical, how is a disciple of Christ, uh, I think it's probably the most important of all the metaphors we've looked at so far. Reason being is, why are we trying to be a soldier? Why are we trying to be a student of God's word? Why are we trying to be salt and light? Why are we trying to be a farmer and spread the gospel? What are we doing that for? To make disciples and to be a better disciple of Christ. And we'll see that as we go in uh, to this lesson because of what a disciple is supposed to do. So it's a very important metaphor. It's a very familiar topic. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this here in, in a little bit, and um, I want to say this too, uh, we don't necessarily have 
disciples today like they used to have back then. Um, remember Paul. Anybody know who he was? Who he sat under? Gamaliel. He said, "I was I was a disciple of Gamaliel." Well, a disciple wasn't just a student that came to classes for a few hours a day. They followed this guy around, which is why it was not weird for Jesus to have 12 men following him around everywhere he went. It was, that was normal. John the Baptist had the same thing, remember? He sent some of his disciples to Christ to see if this is the Messiah. So it was not weird at all for these disciples to be following him around for, for the 12 apostles. Gamaliel had it, and, and it was very common. Now we, <clears throat> today, we still have that to a degree, though. We have mentors we have um, pastors, we have professors, but we don't follow them around like, like they would have back then. So I already said this, but a disciple simply means a learner or a pupil. So if you are underneath a teacher, you are a disciple of that teacher. And um, it's also important to know, you'll see with the disciples, they often questioned Christ. There's nothing wrong with questioning God to get a better understanding. Uh, and that's not necessarily a, a point in our lesson today, but the, you'll, just, you'll see the disciples questioned him often. What does that mean? That's not bad. That's a good thing. They were learners. They were trying to learn and understand, and Christ was trying to teach them because he knew uh, better than they did. He was getting ready to leave. So y'all better get everything you can while I'm here because I'm going to leave. And what did he leave for them to be their guide? Or who did he leave for them? The Holy Ghost. And he told them that. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit here, but it's a little different. He's going to lead you. He's going to teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. But he's not going to be a teacher like Christ was to them. And so we're going to look at that this morning. Uh, let's pray, and then we're going to get into Luke chapter 10. I want to look at a passage there real quick. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to be followers of you, to be students of not just your word, but of, of yours. Uh, God, and thank you for the Holy Spirit that leads us. I pray that we would listen and that we would obey, uh, that we would never grieve or quench your, your spirit in our lives. But God, I pray that you would uh, help us to be as, as good of followers of you as we can be. And as we look at this lesson this morning, that we would understand how best that we can do that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Luke chapter 10. Uh, if you're familiar, no, this is the story, or the, the, in here is the story of Mary and Martha. And these were two different types of disciples of Christ. Remember, we didn't just have the 12 disciples. These two were disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, in Luke chapter 10, verse 41, I want you to look at this real quick. Uh, but Martha, well, 39, and she had a sister called Mary. So Martha had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Verse 41, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Uh, I don't think he was necessarily... Uh, rebuking Martha here. Martha was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and what, I'm, what I'm looking at here is two different kinds of disciples uh, or two different ways that we can be disciple. Martha was busy. She was serving. And we're called to do that. But I think sometimes we get caught up so much at times in 
service that we forget to just sit at Jesus' feet and learn. Um, he tells Martha that. He says, thou art careful and troubled. He wasn't saying you're distracted or you're uh, uh, too busy. He said you're careful, you're in trouble. You're, you're busy with good things, but she chose the one thing that's needful. Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. She's sitting at Jesus' feet and she's learning. And so we want, we want to make sure that we're doing that. We want to be busy, but the Bible also still says be still and know that I'm God. So there's a balance. Me and my wife talk about this all the time. Everything we do, there's a balance. There's a balance in how busy you should be at church. Um, and I don't think any of us are hitting that limit. So I'm not, not giving you an excuse, but I think there's a balance how busy we a, a person should be at church. We have our families. We have our, our jobs. Um, but I think there's also, there's, there's just a balance in life. And when it comes to being a disciple, of Jesus Christ. We should be busy about his work, but we should also take time, preferably in the morning or whenever your, your job schedule allows you, to sit at Jesus' feet and learn what he has for us. So, first thing, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to get there in just a second. The first thing I want to talk about is a disciple is called. Um, and I think it's a disciple is not, it's not that a disciple is called um, this, is where, this is where we get into some Calvinism, and you have to be very, very careful with that. But um, predestinated, if you look at that passage, it's saying there, these, there were people that are predestinated to, uh, well, we'll get there. Uh, it's not predestinated to salvation. Um, and I know that's a really, really popular thing right now. God knew who would be saved. I think we can all agree on that. But he did not predestinate some to be saved and some not to because there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about uh, everyone whosoever I mean the most common verse in the Bible John 3 16 is whosoever that doesn't mean uh, only a select few can be saved but a disciple now is called specifically by Jesus Christ to be that Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 let's look at that Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And what did they do in verse uh, 20? And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. He's specifically calling these men to come be his followers, to be his disciples, to be his students. And uh, may I ask you this? Do you think they had a choice in following him? Absolutely. I shook my head to Tricky. He ab they absolutely had a choice. Um, they could have said, nah, because you see Peter after... Uh, Christ dies, he goes back to fishing. And what did all the other disciples do? We go, we're going with you. They all went back to fishing. Why? They had a choice in whether or not they were going to follow Christ. Um, but, but Jesus called them to be his disciples, but he didn't force them. They were not, pre, they were not uh, ordained from the beginning of time that they had to do that. He gives us a free will, and I don't want to get bogged down in that. But he calls his disciples. And what does he call us to do? 
to be with him. Uh, look at uh, Romans chapter 8, and we talked a little bit about this last week with the Holy Spirit being our guide. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says this, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 11, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. So, we are not necessarily with Christ any longer, but Christ left the third person of the Trinity to be with us. So we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and this is not, I'm not trying to confuse you. I hope it's not. I'm just trying to show you that um, we are called to be with him. Think about the disciples. When he called them here in Matthew chapter 4, uh, he was calling them to witness some pretty amazing things. Think about the miracles that they got to see. Uh, nobody else, I shouldn't say nobody else, others got to see it, but very few. Uh, he, he, they got to see him heal the sick. They got to see him feed the multitudes, not just see him feed, they got to be a part of breaking that bread and passing it out. Uh, they got to see him calm the, the sea. Nobody else saw that except his disciples. That was one thing nobody else saw. Um, he saw them restore the dead to life. Think of Lazarus. He's, they got to see him do these things. Very few got to see these things. And if, well, I'll give you a, an example, and it's somewhere later in my notes, but I'm going to jump to it right now. When Jesus um, rose from the dead and, and showed himself back to his disciples, right? He, remember, he came through the upper room, or came, literally came through it, uh, didn't open the door, but he came into the upper room. Who was not there? Thomas. Thomas said, he's dead, I'm gone. And by not being with Christ where he was supposed to be, he missed out on that first, uh, that, the, the first time that the disciples got to see him after his death. And later, he got to see Jesus again. And, and, but um, think about that one act. We, what else did Thomas do in the Bible? There, there's other recorded stories of Thomas being there. There's things that Thomas did, but what, what do we know him as? Doubting Thomas. Um, I'm gonna, and I'm going to get to that later, but the, the actions, the things that we do as disciples of Christ, it, it, it definitely builds a reputation uh, for us that's going to follow us. But doubting Thomas, uh, that's all we know about him, or that's the first thing that comes to mind when we hear his name because of his lack of being with Jesus. We're called to be with him. Um, go to Matthew chapter 26, and we're going we're gonna to look at this passage for a little while. Um, because I think often um, we have no problem following Christ. It's a good thing to do. And I think even the world would say, yeah, yeah, religion's good. But what happens when it starts to get tough? This is what we're going to see in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, we literally had the disciples. We had Peter telling him, I don't care what happens. I'll follow you to the death. And as soon as that, it came time to prove that, Peter bails. He was not with Christ. But Matthew chapter 26, and let's start in verse uh, 21. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you 
shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, he that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. Which is very interesting that Jesus tells them, whoever dips their hand in there with me is going to be the one that betrays me. Certainly they would have seen Judas do that. Uh, so I don't know why they were still so confused. Uh, but anyways, and then in verse 25, Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Thou hast said. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and, and so on. But um, they, Jesus says, you're going to betray me. All of them are saying, it's not going to be me. There's no way it can't be me. And I don't think at this time, Judas, even Judas was going, it's going to be me. I don't think his heart was there at this time because he even asks uh, Jesus, is it, is it me? Uh, which is interesting that they were all asking him that. I think they had, uh, at this time, maybe still some doubt as to whether they were uh, capable of what Jesus was asking them to do or capable of, of, of following him to the, to the uh, full extent. But anyways, so Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He has his three disciples with him there. <clears throat> Verse, th- th- let's see, 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. In verse 40, he cometh to the disciples, and finds them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Jesus, I believe, right here, is testing their faith. Just seeing, uh, I don't think they understood what was, what was getting ready to happen, um, which is why Peter was so surprised when the, when the soldiers show up and he whips his sword out and, and goes to swinging. But all he was asking them to do is pray with me. And I read this, this little quote. I don't know who it's from, so I can't uh, give credit, but it says, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Um, it's not a faith that isn't tested, can't be trusted, even though I think that's kind of, uh, kind of uh, accurate as well. Uh, we do that with tools at work. They'll, they'll pilot them for months and months and months to make sure that this tool that they're wanting to bring into the, to the workforce is going to be what we need before they buy 100 of them. You know? um, but I think that's what God does for us. Jesus Christ does this for us. He tests our faith and tests our faith and tests our faith. Because if we don't pass these tests, he cannot put the big things on us that he, that he needs us to do. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Um, and in the, in the disciples' lives here, this test was about to come. I mean, think about what the disciples had been through at this point. Not a whole lot. I mean, they had, they had, they had some pushback on, on uh, spreading the gospel, but they really hadn't been through a whole lot. Um, I mean, they're with Jesus. Jesus is performing miracles. The people love him for the most part. Uh, he's feeding 5,000 men with their wives and children. The people love that. Nobody's complaining about that except the Pharisees, but everybody else loves it. Um, so the disciples at this point, I don't think they did understand when Jesus is saying, I'm going to die. They're going, I'm going to be crucified and raised three days later. I, they didn't understand that because how can that happen to somebody who's so popular? 
Uh, but their, test, their faith is about to be tested so that when Christ was gone, they could be entrusted with the church that was going to need to be built. Um, and so we see that in verse 41. You couldn't even watch and pray with me? Three times that happens. Um, but then in verse 56, look at verse 56. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And we're still under the point to be with him, right? A disciple is called to be with Christ. This, this was probably the, the most trying hour so far in Christ's ministry. Well, I should say probably. It was. He's about to be crucified. And he knows that. He's in the garden begging his father to let this cup pass from him. This is where he sweats drops of blood. He's in such distress and in, in such uh, heavy prayer. He needs his disciples to be with him. And they all forsook him and fled. And they that had laid a hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. What's Peter do? Verse 58. Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. He doesn't just call us to be, to be following him. God, Jesus calls us to be with him. And, and uh, I think that if Peter had stayed with Christ, they, they probably, it's very likely they would have killed him or at least thrown him in prison or something else. But he follows afar off in verse 58 to see what the end of Christ is going to be. Um, Anyways, and then in verse 69 of Matthew chapter 26, um, Peter follows at a safe distance. And this is, this is my point. I think a lot of Christians are fine with following Christ as long as everything's going good. Uh, but as soon as it gets tough, and this is what Pastor talks about, persecution is good for the church because we get to see, and it's not just, oh, he was fake. It's a, we get to see who is actually a follower of Christ and who is not. When the time, when it gets tough and they start saying, okay, who's a Christian? Uh, because you're going to prison or whatever else. And we'll see that in, in verse 69. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I went to church, but I, I, don't, I don't identify with Christ. I don't follow him. That's what Peter does here. Verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace and a damsel came unto him saying, thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were with him, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Verse 73, And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art also art one of them, for thy speech bereath or betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew, and we know what that means. Um, but think about what Peter does, not just to follow it at a distance now. He curses to prove, oh, my speech betrays me that I've been with Christ. Then I'm going to curse to show I, I, I'm not with Christ. Um, but I think the lesson here is when Peter, Peter's denial of Christ did not, did not happen just starting in verse 69. Peter's denial of Christ happened when he's, he backed up and started following afar off. He was not with Christ. And I think the, the uh, I, I don't think we understand or we're aware of how low we can go 
when we start to backslide. Um, tons and tons and tons of examples of, of people that I know or whatever else, I won't, even, I won't even give any examples, but when we backslide from being with Christ, when we backslide from spending time in his word and in prayer uh, to him and with him and that fellowship, there's no telling how far back we can go. Uh, and you know people in your life that, how could they, how could they have done that? They stopped following Christ. They, they got away from him and started looking at a distance to see what's the end going to be like for, for that church. Man, they took a stand. I'm going to back up a little bit and see what happens. And sometimes God blesses that and with growth. And then those people come back. Well, I'm going to jump in now. But when, they, when we back up and just see uh, what's it going to be like, that's when we start to backslide. So we're called to be with him, but we're also called to be like him. Moving on very quickly. We're called to be like him. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49. As we have borne the image of the earthy, and if you look at this passage, it's several verses long, but this is, this is the point. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. What is that talking about? It's, it's literally talking about we have fathers that we were born to, and we bear the image of those earthly fathers. This is, very, this is not something we have to explain. We know that. You can see a father and his son standing next to each other, especially once they get a little bit older and go, man, they're related. Um, we're called to be like Christ as his disciples. Does somebody see you standing there and go, they got to be a Christian? Because they resemble their heavenly father so well. Uh, they're, they're the image of the heavenly father. That's all I'm going to say about that, uh, except there is a hymn that we sing. Oh, to be like thee, blessed redeemer. This is my constant longing in prayer, to be like thee. Not just to be a follower, to be like thee. This is my constant longing in prayer. Gladly, I'll forfeit all of earth's treasures, treasures, Jesus Thy perfect likeness to wear. Is that a prayer that we have? I'll forfeit everything I have to be like thee. Oh, to be like thee. Oh, to be like thee. Blessed Redeemer, pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness. Come in thy fullness. And the last line says, stamp thine own image deep on my heart. We're called to be like Christ. Um, and that's, there's so much more to that than just claiming the name of Christian. Be a disciple. Be like him. Second thing is, a disciple is criticized. And so we're called, and we're also, we're criticized. And um, <clears throat> Christ was criticized constantly by the Pharisees. Every time he turned around, it, he, he was getting attacked by the Pharisees. And he always had an answer for them, but uh, they never stopped criticizing him. So it shouldn't be a surprise to us uh, that even religious people will criticize us. But disciples of Christ are, are criticized often corporately. I'll give you an example of that. Corporately meaning as a group, right? We get a name. Oh, he's a fundamentalist, right? Um, and Pastor did a whole lesson on this. A fundamentalist is just somebody who follows the fundamentals, the basics of what the Bible tells us to do. Um, but have you, and I'm not saying there never has been, but it's very popular for somebody running for office to say they're a what? I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, my faith is very important to me. You know, but when it comes down to uh, attending church regularly, reading your Bible regularly, praying and not being, not being ashamed of that, tithing, 
Uh, doing the, the actual practices that the Bible commands us to do, is that happening? No, I'm going I'm to claim that, Christian, because it's popular. Uh, but when it comes down to actually following Christ, Christians are, are corporately uh, criticized. We're actually, you know, we're called fanatics and crazy and everything else. When we actually adhere to what the Bible says, perfect example, abortion. You have people in office claiming to be Christian. I'm a Christian, but I'm for abortion because that's popular too. What does the Bible say? You're a friend of the world. You're an enemy of God. You're a friend of the world. You're an enemy of God. But um, I got some examples of this. I, I remember uh, knocking on doors when I was in Indiana. And when you said, hey, my name is Brian. I'm from Fairhaven. Nope. No, thanks. It was nothing I did. I didn't do anything. But corporately, our church was criticized. And, and that's common. Don't be uh, discouraged by that. Uh, I think, I think I, I, because I am, I'm discouraged by that. You say the name of your church and they shut the door in your face. I, I get mad. Why? Why? You can't even stand there and talk to me? Plan on that, on that criticism, on that, uh, just because of who you associate with. But we also get individual uh, criticism. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. They're, we're going to be individually uh, persecuted, criticized. Um, and I think it's important that we to not try to blend in with the world. And, and I won't say any names, but I have, there's a couple guys at work that, I mean, they, they find out you go to church. Oh, man, I go to church. Yeah, I'm a Christian too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then you hear them talking. I thought you were a Christian. It's to blend in. Because I don't want the criticism of being a Christian, but I want to claim to be a Christian. Uh, we cannot be like the world to avoid that criticism. All, what does 2 Timothy say? All that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Plan on it coming if you're living godly. And then moving on to our last point. Disciple is called, a disciple is criticized, but a disciple is commissioned. And we know this, you probably know where I'm going with this. But not, we're not just commissioned to tell others. We're commissioned to learn. Go to Mark chapter 4. You shouldn't be too far from there. Mark chapter 4, verse 33. And this is where the disciples had a huge advantage. Man, they were with Christ. And <clears throat> Christ is speaking in parables and, and all the rest. And, the, and he did it on purpose, the Bible says, so that the Pharisees wouldn't understand what he was trying to say. You remember that? He, the disciples asked him, why are you always speaking parables? And he said, so that they can't understand what I'm trying to say. Because the lost sheep, they will. But these guys are, are too, I don't know, deep or too full of themselves. They're not going to understand. But Mark chapter 34, verse 33, says, And with many such parables spake he the word unto them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. So he's talking about the 12 disciples. He spoke everything in parables to them. In verse 34, it says, Without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. The disciples wanted to learn. They craved it. If you uh, remember, who was it that asked, who was it that was talking to Jesus right before we have the model prayer? He was talking to his disciples. They said, can you teach us to pray? They wanted to learn. Um, 
And Mark chapter 9, verse 31 and 32 says, For he taught his disciples and said unto them, them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall arise the third day. But they understood not that saying. And the last phrase says, And they were afraid to ask him. I don't know. I don't think they were afraid because he would be mad. I think they were afraid to ask. He'll be delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. I don't even want to know what that means. But the disciples, for the most part, were eager to learn. And I hope that we are that. We already talked about that when we talked about the metaphor of the student. But I hope we're lifelong learners of not just the Bible, but, but what God has for us in our lives. Um, because you can learn the Bible and be less spiritual than, than the children in, in the Sunday school. You really can't. Think about the Pharisees. They knew the law back and forth, and they were lost because they didn't want to learn what Jesus had for them. So we're commissioned to learn, and then secondly, and, and uh, probably knew this was coming, we're commissioned to tell others. Luke chapter 9, and I want to read this passage. So Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and we're almost done. <clears throat> But it says this, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all the devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing up for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither to have two coats apiece. Whatsoever house ye enter in, there abide, and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. They were commissioned to go tell, and that's what they did. And, and that, is, that is our job. And we see that in Matthew chapter 28. We see that in uh, <clears throat> the Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We're, we are commissioned to go and tell others. And this, uh, in case you misunderstand that, was only for the 12 disciples. It wasn't. Because we see in Mark, uh, John chapter 4, the woman at the well. What did Jesus tell her to do? He tells her everything about herself, right? And then he says, yep, go tell them. Go tell tell them all what I told you and what I did for you. The maniac of Gadara, Mark chapter 5. What did Jesus tell him to do? There were times when Jesus told people, don't say anything. But, But for the most part, the maniac of Gadara wanted to follow Jesus. He said, can I come with you? And what did Jesus tell him? Nope, stay here and you tell everybody you know what I did for you. Uh, the, the men on the road to Emmaus, or the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24, he told them to go tell people what I did for you. Tell them that you saw me. Tell them I'm, I'm alive. Uh, so we're commissioned to tell. Uh, the word confess, Matthew chapter 10, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. This is a very interesting verse. Uh, if you want to write this passage down, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Uh, Confess means to declare openly. That's what the Greek word means. Uh, And Jesus tells us if we are willing to confess, to declare openly before men, he will declare openly us before his Father in heaven. Pretty interesting passage. Um, But we're going to bring this to a close. Um, Never, there's never a time where Jesus 
Jesus never turned people away. Think about, think about it, and, and naturally. But the disciples did. Um, in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 13, and they brought the young children to him that he should touch them, and the disciples rebuked those that brought them. Take them away. We, we got too much going on. Take, the, take these kids away. It's too much. And what did Jesus say? He told them, no, 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 no. Suffer the little children to come to me. I, and he brought them to him. But there should never be, and I know sometimes different circumstances uh, we get into, we just don't have time uh, to run certain ministries and things like that, but we should never view people as an inconvenience uh, to our church. We are bringing people to Christ. We are telling them about Christ. That is our job uh, as disciples. So review, we're called, we're criticized, and we're commissioned. Um, but the Bible tells us that if we're a disciple of Christ, it brings much rejoicing. It brings much fruit uh, to our account. Um, so I, I hope that uh, as disciples, we're not just, that does not just mean study or claim the name of Christ. It means to, no matter how tough it gets, think about Peter. Following afar off, man, these guys, they're going to kill him. Following afar off, be with him. And, and sit at his feet uh, like, like Mary did. That's what he calls us to do. So disciples of Christ, that's, that's the metaphor for this morning, but it's very, very applicable. Uh, not, it's not just a, oh, that's a neat story. We are to be disciples. God calls us to be disciples of his. Let's pray, and we'll get ready for the next service. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. And I thank you for your word. God, I pray that everything that we learn here in, in this Sunday school class in this series, God, I pray that we would take it to heart. God, there's so much here that we can go back and look on for ourselves and study out. But God, I pray that we would uh, just make sure that we're doing everything we can to sit and to learn and to understand what you have for us to do in our lives. And uh, God, that we'd be as useful as, as we can be for you, that we would be busy about your work, but always ready to sit and listen to what you have for us. Pray that you'd be with this next hour, that you'd feed us Give us exactly what we need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.